Thank you, Pastor Paul. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I declare an open heaven over this place right now, Lord. And I take authority over every power of darkness, Lord, that would try to hinder us, Lord, from receiving what you have to say to us today, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are a God who speaks, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to take this sermon, Lord, and touch it with your mighty power and turn it into a message from your heart to every heart here. I thank you for this. I praise you and give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's great to be here with you guys today. I'm going to start with Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, my favorite Christmas Bible verse. Amen? For unto us a child is born. Unto us. That's you and me. Unto us. A son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I love the ending of that, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. In other words, the more we allow Jesus to govern our lives, the more peace we will experience. Amen? Amen. But it starts off with, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Jesus, the Son of God, has been given to us. God the Father so loved the world that he gave. Amen? And let me tell you, it is more important that we get the gifts that God wants us to have than the gifts that we may want to have ourselves. Amen? It's more important this Christmas time that you and I get the gifts that God wants us to have than to get the gifts that we wanted. Hallelujah. I'm referring to two gifts from heaven. The first one, the Son of God has been given to all of us as a gift. Like it says in Luke 2, 9, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. That's the shepherds outside of Bethlehem. And they were greatly afraid. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, or good news, of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you. I thought he was born to Mary. No, he was born to you. There is born to you. This day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Luke 2.13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. I heard atheists say, if Jesus came to bring peace and goodwill toward men on the earth, it kind of looks like he failed in his mission. But let's look at this verse in two other versions in the NIV and in the New American Standard, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace 
to those on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest New American Standard. And on earth, peace among people with whom he is pleased. Amen? God is pleased with, God's favor rests on all those who receive Christ by faith and the gift of salvation that he freely gives. Amen? And that's one simple truth that a program like Teen Challenge can neglect to teach the students. Yes, it's in our classroom teaching, but is it in our culture? And what I mean by that, we have to have rules and regulations. And if you obey the rules, we will be pleased with you, and you will have the favor of the staff, but not the favor of God. You don't obey your way into the favor of God. You believe your way into the favor of God. His favor rests only on those who by faith accept Christ and the gifts of salvation that he gives to us. Amen? Gary Wilkerson spoke about this in a Teen Challenge annual conference. He said, with all the rules and regulations in Teen Challenge, we can present a false gospel if we tell our students, if you do well, God will be pleased with you. If you obey the rules of the program, God will be pleased with you. You can graduate from Brooklyn Teen Challenge and still go to hell if you have not received Jesus by faith. Amen? Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here. <laughs> but we're not only saved by faith, we are filled by faith. And what I mean by that, of course, the first and the greatest gift of God from heaven is Jesus Christ. Amen? And the salvation that he freely gives to us. But the second greatest gift from heaven is the Holy Spirit. And more specifically, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The resurrected Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, Behold, that means, look at this. I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, we don't use that word endued very much. In, in the Greek, it means to go in or under, to put on a garment, to clothe, to dress, and if we look at a few other versions, <clears throat> we can get a clearer meaning and amplify the New Living Translation. Remain in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed, fully equipped with power from on high. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So before the disciples were to go out and spread the good news, they were to receive heavenly power. Amen? To be clothed upon with power from on high. This baptism in the Holy Spirit Jesus was referring to is seen in the next chapter, Acts chapter 2, 
verse 1, when the, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I'm the 11th of 12 children, meaning I grew up with 10 siblings older than me. You talk about birth order. I mean, I was the epitome of introvert, shy, uh, just didn't want to speak, just didn't want to. And, and when I got saved and I found out you're supposed to witness to people, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to witness to people. I don't want to say anything. I'm telling you, I was shy. And then December 31st, 1979, I went to a New Year's Eve prayer meeting, and about 12.30 a.m., January 1st, 1980, I asked the Lord Jesus to baptize me in the Holy Spirit, and I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God enabled me. And I was so thrilled to receive this heavenly blessing that I spoke in tongues for a long time as wave after wave of supernatural power and love flowed into me and through me. And when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was given a boldness that I never had on my own. And not only a boldness, I immediately realized a deeper closeness to Jesus. And there was an amplification of the voice of God in my soul. And there was a release of supernatural gifts as the Holy Spirit began to flow through my life. My family was shocked that I was willing to move to New York City to be a missionary. And they were even more shocked that I survived living in the Big Apple. <laughs> I was the quiet, introverted, shy, insecure one. But by the grace of God, I have not only survived, but I've start, started churches. I've helped build Bible schools. I've worked with some incredibly great leaders. I've seen a lot of giants slain for the glory of God. And I attribute it to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues to the believer is what spinach was to Popeye. Remember when Bruto was beating him to a pulp? And, and Popeye crawled over to a can of spinach and opened it up. When he took that spinach, bam! biceps bursted, and he beat Bruto up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Speaking in tongues to the believer is what spinach was to Popeye. For over 40 years now, I speak in tongues daily because the original endowment of heavenly power is not a one-time event. I love the gift of speaking in tongues. 
I love the ability to have the river of God's spirit flow through me as I daily drink of this heavenly water. I not only speak in tongues, I pray in tongues. I sing in tongues. I intercede in tongues. By the way, Andre Crouch and I, we have something in common. He said that he would write his songs by singing them in tongues first. I've got over 200 songs that God gave me, and a lot of them, I sang them in tongues first. That's how I got them. I pray in tongues. I sing in tongues. I intercede in tongues. I rebuke the devil in tongues. Paul said there are diversities of tongues. And my prayer language has expanded in these 42 years. I can't wait to see what's next. (laughs) Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well, then, what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. It is a wonderful, supernatural gift from God that breaks oppression off of me and brings a refreshing to my soul. The blessings are so numerous. It's through praying in tongues. I think it's next slide. Through praying in tongues, we build up our inner man. We recharge our spiritual batteries. We receive... Divine revelations into our hearts. And if this was a two-hour Bible study, I could elaborate on all that just to say I can back all that up with with Scripture, but I'm going to move on. The baptism in the Holy Spirit with the physical evidence of speaking in tongues is the gateway into a supernatural walk with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The greatest gift I've ever received is when I was saved. The second greatest gift I ever received is my wife, Lynn. The third greatest gift, hold on, let me back that up. The third gift was Lynn. The second one, (laughs) the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How it changed my life. And not only my life. The baptism in the Holy Spirit has changed thousands of believers who have come through Brooklyn Teen Challenge. David Wilkerson wrote in The Cross and the Switchblade, Jesus baptized his followers with the Holy Spirit. It was foretold by John the Baptist, promised by the Father, and experienced at Pentecost. A vast change took place in the apostles after that experience. Before They had been timid and powerless men. Afterward, they received that power that Christ spoke about. And these same men who had hidden themselves at the crucifixion went on after this experience and stood up to a hostile world with the message of the gospel. And then if you read the cross and the switchblade carefully, you remember a guy named Joe. Joe came into the program with a heroin addiction, and he wanted to be free. And they prayed. They prayed earnestly for him. They prayed for him, and and the the power of addiction was so strong in Joe's life that after a little while, Joe left the program and broke the hearts of all the staff. And 
Pastor Dave took it really hard. And he began to ask the guys, why did Joe not get the breakthrough? And Nikki said to him, Pastor Dave, something tremendous happened to me at the time of my conversion, but it wasn't until later that I got the victory over addiction. And when Pastor Dave said, when was that, Nikki? Nikki said, at the time of my baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's when my addiction broke off of me. So Pastor Dave started calling in the students into his office. And let me, let me uh, uh, <clears throat> I have up here what he said. The question was repeated again and again to other students. When did you feel you had real victory over addiction? The answer kept coming back when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the next slide says, again and again I got the same report. I could not describe how excited I was. A pattern seemed to be emerging. I felt that I was on the verge of something tremendous, and he sure was. Pastor Dave realized the baptism in the Holy Spirit was the key to victory for many recovering addicts, and he saw a pattern. The ones who got filled with the Holy Spirit tended to stay in victory, and the ones who didn't tended to go back to drugs. So in his book, he described Nikki preaching at a Brooklyn Teen Challenge coffee house on the subject I'm preaching today, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that book made its way into Catholic colleges all over the nation, like Notre Dame and Duquesne. And before you knew it, Catholics all over the world were getting saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. That book started the Catholic charismatic revival around the world. But that was history. This is now. Today, for you, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you must have a desire for it. John 7, 37, Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Psalm 107, 8, the Lord satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Isaiah 44, 2, this is what the Lord says, I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit upon you. So thirst, a desire for the Holy Spirit baptism comes when you either read it in the Bible or you hear somebody preach on it about how wonderful it is. Amen. <laughs> and that's why I've shared these scriptures and that's why I've shared the testimony of how the baptism of the Holy Spirit changed my life, how it changed the students in the program in, in the original Teen Challenge over 50 years ago. Because for us to re receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, we need to be thirsty for it. We need to desire it. We need to value its importance. Amen? You must have a desire for it. And the second 
Um, the second thing we need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit today, you must be convinced it's for you. You see, the devil tries to twist scripture to convince us that it's only for a few. You say, well, don't I already have the Holy Spirit since I accepted Christ? Yes. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And according to the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is like two things, a well and a water fountain. Isaiah 12, 2, the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. If you are saved, the Holy Spirit is inside of you like a well of water. And you can tap into that well and into that joy of your salvation. Amen? But Jesus said in John 4.13 to the woman at the well, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The well of water of the Holy Spirit needs to become a fountain of water springing up, a water fountain flowing out of us. Amen? Amen? John 7, 37, on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit, was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the well of water inside of you begins flowing out through you, out through your mouth, and you speak in tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Well, you may object, but by saying, I mean, the devil tries to use Scripture to keep us from this blessing. You may be thinking, but didn't Paul say, imply that tongues is not for everybody when he said in 1 Corinthians 12 30 do all speak in tongues that may seem to imply that but he's not talking about the the baptism in the Holy Spirit here he's talking about the congregational gift of tongues if you look even at the the context 1 Corinthians 12 uh, uh, 30 1 Corinthians 12 30 do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? You go back to the first of the chapter, chapter 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the spirit, to another different kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. So there's three types of speaking in tongues. The initial infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the prayer language of tongues, and the congregational gift of tongues. 
when someone in the congregation brings forth a message in tongues. And when they do that, the congregational gift of interpretation of tongues needs to come into play so that everybody will understand what the message in tongues was interpreted into the language of the congregation. And Paul even said in the same book, 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. And he said in verse 18, I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. More than you all? How many people were in Corinth? I'm sure plenty of them spoke in tongues. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. My goodness, he must have spoken in tongues all the time. I believe he did. Because I believe he knew the value of it. Hallelujah. I've heard so many people say, <clears throat> they never spoke in tongues, so it must not be a gift God wants them to have because he never gave it to them. That is wrong. That is wrong according to Scripture. That's like saying, I guess God doesn't want to save me because he never gave me the gift of salvation. He gives the gift of salvation to everybody who believes and asks. Amen? God's not willing for any to perish, for all to come to repentance. And God is not wanting any of his children to live oppressed and vexed and held down by the enemy. And that's why the promise of the Father is for all of us. The baptism in the Holy Spirit and his wonderful endowment of power gives us the ability to speak a heavenly language which charges the atmosphere around you with the presence of God, with the mind of the Holy Spirit, and with the word of the Lord. So to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you must be hungry for it. You must be convinced it's for you. And lastly, you must ask and receive this gift by faith. Galatians 3, 5, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? Luke eleven nine 9 and 13, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And the door will be open to you. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You say, but how can we receive something by faith even before we see it? Well, that's like, you know, how do you buy something on Amazon or eBay? When you press the buy now button, it's yours. You own it. Now you just wait for it to be shipped to you. Amen? Amen? And when you ask in faith for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you thank God for it, it's on its way. And the best way to wait for the postman is to be like uh, the disciples in the book of Acts. They went into the temple praising and thanking God and waiting for the wind of heaven to blow. And when the Holy Spirit came and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, they all began to speak in tongues and it changed them forever. They're like, oh my goodness, this is the endowment of power from heaven. God is pouring heavenly power into us and through us. Hallelujah. Ask and it will be given to you. The second greatest 
gift that heaven has for us is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you want and ask and receive this gift by faith and you begin to worship and praise him, the well of the Holy Spirit inside of you will become a water fountain. And you can let the river of God within you rise up and flow through you every single day.